0: All right, we'll start here on the bottom of Kufmim Deladam seven lines from the bottom. Amri so A person can squeeze a bunch of grapes, the Agdera, into the dish that's cooking. but not into the serving dish. The difference being that deira doesn't have liquids in it. It's usually solids that are in there. Or solids are always in there. The kiara does not have that distinction, and sometimes it has liquids in it. So even though that may not be your intent, this time we're worried about that situation where you squeeze it into the ke'ara. So, now, so what is the conclusion from this statement? Someone can milk a goat directly into the dish, but not into the serving dish. If you squeeze a liquid out of an o'chel and it ends up in an o'chel, then you haven't done anything to separate. Meaning that that's not called prika. The problem that you have here is the malacha prika, which is separating out items, breaking apart the items. When you do it with grains, you're breaking apart the head of the grain so you get the kernels out, and you get the shaft and the other stuff to fall away, the head to fall away. Over here, the prika, normally when you milk, the prika is that you're taking the milk out of the A's, out of the goat. So you're separating a liquid from a solid. Over here, the suggestion is that if it is a liquid in a solid, and ends up in a solid, then all you've done is move something from a solid to a solid, as Rashi says, Mi ojo." It's like you're taking, and separating two pieces of ochel. So it's not any longer called prika. It's like breaking a piece of bread in half. That's not called prika. So so do over here when you move an ochel to an ochel, that's not called prika. So now what we have here is laid out something that is true on Shabbat, which is that you can squeeze from something that's an ochel. You can squeeze out the liquid as long as you put it into another ochel. So a classic example of this on Shabbat is what happens if you want lemon in your tea? So you want to put lemon into your tea. If you squeeze the lemon into your tea, you have a problem. You're squeezing a liquid out of the lemon into the tea, which is a liquid that's problematic. So the suggestion is that if you take the sugar and you place it on the side and you squeeze the lemon into the sugar, then the sugar, which is a solid, if you squeeze the lemon into the solid, that's an ochel to ochel. It's not a problem or And Then you put the sugar with the lemon in it into the tea and that would be fine on Shabbat. So that's the classic difference or the key difference between these two items of squeezing into a solid versus squeezing into a liquid. So here we have two examples of that. One is by olives and grapes, just squeezing them into a solid versus squeezing them into a liquid. The second thing we have is the A's, is the goat taking the milk out of the udder, whether you put it directly into the into a solid, or whether you put it into a liquid. Over here the Rebbeinu Tam says something, which basically turns the sugi on its head, which is, near the Rebbeinu Tam, this is only true on Yom Tov, not true on Shabbat. Why? The only time that a Behema is considered to be an Ochel is on Yom Tov. On Shabbat, a goat is not Ochel. A goat is Asur. On Shabbat, you can't do anything with it. You're not going to eat it on Shabbat. Yom Tov, the ability to it on Yom Tov, and therefore it has a designation as Ochel. So therefore, he differentiates here between the A's and the olives and grapes. The classic case of dash. You're taking the milk, which is fine, out of the a's, which is not fine. You're severing the okhal from the P'solot. It's a classic case of dash. It Says the gedolot seems say the same thing that we're talking about yom tov over here. But he does say schita danavim That's fine because zeitim and anavim you can eat an Shabbat since you can eat them. They're okhal on Shabbat. Then you squeeze them out into okhal. That's okhal to okhal. No problem. That's the Rebbeinu Tam. And that's the way that Shulchan Ar-Pasim, the Al-O-Kha, when it comes to what we described before, like the lemons, when it comes to a fruit or something otherwise that is edible on Shabbat, if you squeeze the liquid from there into an ochel, that is permissible on Shabbat. You take something that's a sour, like an aze, and you squeeze the liquid into a solid, that doesn't help you on Shabbat because of this Rebbeinu Tam. The Rebbeinu Tam claims that this is speaking about the Yom Tov, not about Shabbat. You should know that most of the Jewish Shonim argue on the Rebbeinu Tam, the Ramban, the Rambam, all say that this is talking about Shabbat across the board. That there is no such differentiation, and that this is even true on Shabbat. That's one thing to know. The other thing to note is the Taz. Taz himself, who says that there is no melechah do'oraitah of dish mafarik by milking, by these situations. It's only by gedulei If you combine those two things together then you can come up with kulot. The bar himself starts to discuss some kulot that you can come up with that. But knowing the fact that this is only the Rebbeinu Tam and it's a narrower set of Rishonim that believe that this is only by Yom Tov and not by Shabbat, then when you get into situations which are difficult or extreme, then you could possibly come up with more kulot. That is something that I suggested uh, many years ago and then developed over the time and now I spoke to Rebbe Nebensal Barut and said, thought that it was a good idea that many women have an issue when they are nursing that they're unable to nurse the baby directly and sometimes they have to what they call pump or they have to express the milk problem with pumping or expressing the milk is that when you come to Shabbat Shabbat pumping or expressing the milk will come into this problem which is of because you're taking out the milk and you're storing the milk which is exactly the so what you have to do on those days is instead of expressing it into a bottle, you have to express it what we call the ibud. It has to be ruined, has to go away so that you're not doing the malacha of dash, and you're simply doing it to remove the pressure from the woman, not to create the milk that comes out. So either you do it the ibud, which means you do it into a sink, or otherwise you can put rocks or things that are dirty inside the bottles, and that way it's not usable afterwards because you've lost the sterility of the milk, and so there are ways to do it. The problem with that is twofold. There's one problem, which is then you lose all that milk, which is difficult. Difficult from two perspectives. One's for the baby to get it, and number two is from the perspective of the woman. The psychological impact on the woman of having to express milk that just goes to waste over a whole 24-hour period, which is not uh, a simple thing. The, the halacha, if you ask any of well, anybody, any post they'll tell you you have to do that. That's the only option. So many years ago, I thought of this possibility, and then developed over time, is that today that we use formula for babies. Formula is made from powdered substance, and they take the powdered substance and you put water in it, and you mix it to create the formula that you give to the child. So you know that there's a ratio of liquid to solid that you put in there in order to create the formula. If you take a large amount of that powder, and then a woman was to express the milk into the powder, then we'd have, what do we have in our case right here? Just then a woman was expressing milk into a solid into a salary, into an ochel, and therefore would not be a problem on Shabbat. Now, of course, it is a problem because of the vain says on Shabbat, that's not true, and especially maybe by a human being. But because you have the Ramban and the Rambam who believe that it's true on Shabbat as well, which means that they don't think the whole heter here has to do with ochel to ochel, because obviously an A's on Shabbat is not an ochel. They think that it's just not called mefarik when you go into an ochel, plus the Tazu says it's the Rabbanan and the Tosafot that we've seen earlier on that psychological issues on Shabbat generate heterim When you come to dine with rabbanan, if you're mitztar, if all of those issues, it's a possibility that you should be able to do this or allow a woman to do this on Shabbat. And Rav Dov said to when we asked him about it, he said that he thought that Rav Shlomo Zaman for sure would have been mekul in this case, and he thought that there's a good reason to believe that this would be the case that you could be making in these situations. So just a way for women in that difficult situation to deal with it. Generally, have animals. Legal, right? No, uh, there are a couple of places. Most places do not go to the Ibud. Most places have the milking systems automated so that the animals walk in by themselves and they milk the animals on Shabbat. You no? If you go into the stores, that there's some milk that say that they are only from milk not made on Shabbat. And certain organizations will accept that. Some people accept it because it's automated on Shabbat and it's not a problem. Others will not because they believe that it has to be the Ibud on Shabbat. But you're right, that comes up exactly this, milking the animals on Shabbat. It's progressed. It used to be that if you went to the Kibbutzim, the Vim and Shabbat, that the systems were automated, but the people had to put the machines onto the udders. Now it's totally automated, where the animals walk in and the systems go onto the udders without any human assistance. Yeah, it's incredible. Now you can see the machines that adjust for the udders, and they move in and they do it all by themselves. So it's, truthfully, it is better than it was before, because there's no human involvement whatsoever. But there is still controversy whether you can use that milk or not. <rame ibar> <fif> a Zav, who is Tamei, when he is milking the E's, this goat, the milk that comes out of the udders is Tamei. obvious problem is that the Zav is moving the item. He's moving the item, then it's Hesit, it's Masa, so the Zav can make it Tamei, because he has to move the udder, he's squeezing the udder to move the milk out, and therefore it's a Tamei. Now the problem is, If you tell me that a liquid that is emitted by an animal, or squeezed out of an animal then goes into an ochel, has a din of ochel, then where is the heksher, the kabel tumah? You know that when it comes to tumah, liquids are susceptible to tumah, that any liquid, if it's touched, will become tomei right away. On the other hand, ochlim, the Torah says, require what we call heksher, the kabel tumah. They have to have a liquid pass over them first in order to prepare them to accept tumah. And so that machshe requires a liquid to go over it. Now here you have a liquid that's going directly from the udder into another ochel. And the way you've described it now, that that remains an ochel the entire time. Where is the liquid that is machshir, this ochel? It's ochel to ochel. We don't have a liquid in between. Where do you have hechshir, the kabotumah? Now the Mishnah there does not discuss it whatsoever. The Mishnah in Tarot just mentions this din. The Gemara's question is, how come the Mishnah didn't differentiate? The Mishnah doesn't differentiate between it going into an ochel versus going to a liquid. If it's going to a liquid, then okay, I understand it, because now you have a liquid. But if it's going to an ochon, and it's an ochon, where's the heksher, the Kabbal Tumah? It's the first drop that comes out of the udder, that dirty liquid that's on there that washes the udder, that is makshir the Kabbal Because first of all, that's the ratzon. You want that liquid to come out because you want it to wash the tip of the udder so that the milk that comes out subsequently will be clean. So that you do want that liquid there. And that liquid itself will be makshu the kabel Akanami, he says it in another context. So to over here, Achanami, we tibam piadad. Tamei tamei mate zaitim venavim. You have a person who's tamei mate who's coming to squeeze olives and grapes. He's squeezing the liquid out of it. Obviously, a tamei mate when it comes into contact something, he makes it tamei. But here it was a kabeiza mikuvenet. It was exactly a kabeiza of olives and grapes that he was squeezing. And we know that when it comes to ochel, ochel. Can only be metame, acharim, can only convey tumah when it is the size of a kabetza. So as soon as he steps or squeezes on this item, it's already below a kabetza. Because he has exactly a kabetza. As soon as he comes into contact with it, and pushes liquid out of it, the liquid reduces the size of this item below a kabetza right away. Therefore, tahor. Because he's in contact with the solid. The solid that is now, quote unquote, tame, is not able to convey tumah to the liquids below. Ha, you'll tear me a kibay tzah. If it was more than a kabetza, Tameh, Then it would be tamay. If you tell me that when you squeeze liquids into a solid, it has a din of a solid, then how did it have a heksher like abutuma? Again, in the statement of the Mishnah, the Mishnah says it without any qualifications. It says the statement. It doesn't tell you what you're squeezing it into. The problem is if there is such a differentiation between squeezing into liquids and squeezing into solids, the Mishnah should have qualified the statement and said that's true when you're squeezing into a liquid. If you squeeze into a solid, then you have a different din. The fact that the Mishnah never qualifies it seems to indicate that they don't have such a differentiation. So the Gemara says, He asked the question he answered it. The easy solution is say the Mishnah time in a case where you are squeezing it into a liquid. So therefore there's no question. He basically creates the qualification of the Mishnah without having the Mishnah qualify itself. And you could have answered this for the previous Mishnah as well. That the Zab is is squeezing into a karai. He's, he's squeezing into something that's a liquid. In a case where you're squeezing into liquid, all these dinim are true. When you squeeze into a solid, it has a different din. The Mishnayot are not addressing that issue. So amra tonight. This... Din, that we're just speaking about here, that when you squeeze a liquid into an ochal, is considered to be an ochal, that is actually a machloket tanaim. a machlik ba'anavim. Person who is using grape juice to baste his chalot. Lo huksha. The halot are not muksha de kabotuma. You don't mer huksha. That they are muksha kabotuma. My love. Baha This is what they're arguing about. Marzavar mashkia balo chalot chalot. When you squeeze the grapes onto the khala, that's Ochel to ochel, you don't have a liquid. So how can you be makshir lekavel tumah without a liquid? The other one holds no, that it is a liquid. If you have a liquid on the challah, now you have something that was makshir lekavel tumah. Everybody agrees that a liquid that comes into an ochel is not an ochel, but rather a liquid, which would undermine everything we said until now. You can see the little aleph in the gra. Gra says that he thinks that the keonim and some of the rishonim had the opposite gisa, which is that it is Ochel, that Kuliyama agrees, that Mashqabal Ochel is Ochel, who, then you run into a problem with the latter half of the Gemara, how to explain the remainder of the Gemara, which is what Toswat raises, Toswat raises that the Gerson must be right, because otherwise, the latter of the Gemara doesn't make so much sense. And the machlova here is really about liquids that evaporate or do not remain. Here, you're going to squeeze the liquid onto the challah. After you squeeze onto the challah, you're going to put it into the oven. oven's going to bake it away, and it's going to evaporate. The liquid's going to disappear. So the question is, here, you have a liquid that's going to go to the ibud. You that it's not going to exist anymore. What's the status of that liquid? Question here is, does that have a status of liquid or not have a status of liquid? Similar to another Machiluk name that we find, Tatanya. Someone who is breaking open zeitim olives. Olives, when you're sometimes picked, are very hard. So you want to squeeze them or crack them open. He's doing it with hands that are tmayim. If that's the case, they are kabel tuma Because he wants the oil that drips out of these olives, he wants that liquid to come out. Since he wants the liquid to come out, then the olive or the liquid itself is considered something like a mokshar. If he wants to salt them, because they're hard, he wants to salt them and the salt does better when you and softenums better when you crack open the olive and because over there, it's, you don't want the liquid to come out. You have no desire in the liquid emanating from the olive. In the first case, where the liquid comes out, it helps to soften the olive. So you do want it to come out. Over here, you're using salt as the softening agent. You don't really care if there's a liquid that comes out. You actually prefer the liquid doesn't come out of the olive. There's not a He's cracking a moment to see if they're ready to be pressed. or not. Over there, it's not muxa. Again, there you have no interest in the oil coming out. You simply want to know if they're soft enough to put them into the pressing area at that time. Rabbi says you are Mukshar. my love, can This is their question. The Masav made the Mashkehu, Masav Mashkehu. In this case where you're testing the olive to see whether it's ready or not, when you squeeze it and the oil comes out, that whatever comes out of there is going Leibud. Whatever is going out is going to waste. You're not keeping that drop that comes out. So you're going to lose it. If you ask that liquid that you're going to lose, what's the status with that liquid at this point in time? Is it li'ibud, and therefore it doesn't count as a liquid? Or is it not li'ibud, and it does count as a liquid? And that's the machok between the tanaim here on that latter case. Is that same as that would be one of the Tanaim's position. One of the Tanaim's position would be exactly that, that if it's going to that's not your desire. If it stays, then it is, because you want the liquid. But the other Tanaim believe that even though it's going to the you still want it to come out, so you can see what the status of the olive is. So that is the Ratzon part of it. Right, so, so he rejects this comparison or this linking of these two Machloket Tanayim. He says, This latter case that we just brought down, you're right. The Machloket here between the Tanaim is about whether a Machloket it is considered to be a mashke or not. The, I, the first case that you brought down with the hollow, the basting on the hollow, that has nothing to do with mashke or like the ibn, but rather, mashke homemade le tzach tzachok When you base something, it doesn't really totally evaporate. It stays on the surface there. It hardens on the surface. So the question is, when you base something where it's le tzach tzachok, le tzach tzich means the polish. To make shiny. So here the liquid is not being used as a liquid per se. It's used to create a shininess, some sort of outer layer on the challah. So that's the question here. Whether that's considered to be a liquid or not. When you squeeze it onto the challah and then it's going to be the tzach to make it shinier afterwards. Is that considered to be an ochot? Is that considered to be a liquid? That's their question in that case. But in either case, it's not the machloket that we were looking for, which was a about whether when you squeeze a liquid into a solid, whether that's classified as a solid or not. We don't have a machloket anayim like that. And therefore, we would assume that what we said until now is true. If you squeeze a liquid into an ochel, it's an ochel. If you squeeze a liquid into a liquid, it's a mashke. Arab Amar First, you can squeeze a bunch of grapes right into the dish. Of not into the serving dish again the problem of solid versus liquid. If you want to squeeze a fish from the oils, the liquid that's inside of it, you can do that even to the serving dish. The reason being, as Rashi says, that's not called a liquid. that's called ochel. It's part of the fish. When you squeeze it out, even though it has the substance or form of a liquid, it's not a liquid. It's classified like the ochel. it's classified as part of the fish. So you're allowed to squeeze out the fish on Shabbat. No problem. That doesn't matter what you squeeze it into. Rav Dimi, Rav said over this Memra. You have this Memra in the name of Rav. Whenever you don't have a problem. We have this Memra in the name of Shmuel. We have a problem because Can Shmuel really say that you're allowed to squeeze the liquids out of a fish? into a ki'ara, and that there's no problem of it being skeet at all. We have a machluk between Rav and Shmuel, which is kvashim shesachatan. You have things that were pickled, that were left in brines, Shesachatan, you're squeezing the liquid out of them. mutar. If you're squeezing out the liquid to make the object edible, you have a pickle and you're squeezing the liquid out of the pickle so you can eat the pickle. Mutar If you want the liquid that's being exuded or being squeezed out of the item, then it's Patur of Alasur. The reason it's Patur al is because it's not a liquid that was part and parcel of the item when it was grown. This is a liquid that was added after the fact. So it's not part and parcel of the object, and therefore it's not really considered to be skita. Skita Midirabana, not Skita Midoraita. Uh, if you cooked cooked vegetables, whether you squeeze them out for themselves so to eat them, or whether you're squeezing out to get the liquid out, that is mutar the gamre, because this is not a mashke. It's not really considered to be a mashke. Doesn't matter whether he was pickled or cooked, the gufan mutar, if you're squeezing out the liquid for the object to eat the ochel, that's fine if you're squeezing out to get the liquid, Patur of So here you see a case. You have an object which is similar to a dog. Then Shmuel says that it's Patur of Asur. By a doglitsi row, he would also suggest that it be Patur aval Asur, and we have it being Mutar the Gamre to squeeze this tier out of the duck. So Rashi says, Raj Lakot, these cooked vegetables dumiya the dog let similar to a dog with a tzir, and yet Shmuel says, basically he's saying, I saw, not someone else, here it's referring to in the Pasuk in Yuv, it's referring to God, but seeing God, over here he's saying that, I heard this, memory over, Rabdimi is saying, I heard for sure, that I heard this over from Rav, and not from Shmuel, because Mipumid, Rabbi Yirmiya Shmili, I heard this from for Rabbi mi Rabbi, here we heard from Zera, which connects already up to the memory that we had above. Amar Rabbi Zerah. and Rabbi Zera may Rabhiya Barashi. Rabbi Zera heard from him. Rabbi Barashi may Rav. So we have a direct link to Rav. I'm telling you clearly that I have the memory from Rav and not from Shmuel. So you shouldn't worry; it's not a problem. It is from Rav. Gufa. Now here we're going to discuss it. Vashim You have these pickled items; these items that were soaking in water. Amar Rav, the Gufan Mutad mehem patur av Sur. If you squeeze them out to, to get the liquid out of the foods you can eat, the food, mutar. You squeeze them to get the liquids, it's patola rasur, shlakot, items that were cooked, ben gufan ben le whether you're squeezing out for the food or whether to get the liquids out, mutar. There it's mutar the gamre. Shmuel amar, echadze vechadze, the gufan mutar, the mehem patur vallasur, similar to what we saw since Shmuel's name before. That's, in the case where you're squeezing it out to clear the liquid out of the object to eat it, that's mutar the gamre, that's ben shlakot ben kvashim. On the other hand, if you squeeze it out for the liquids, it's patur aval asur. Rabbi Yochanan amar, echad kvashim vechad shlakot, the gufan mutar. Yochanan says whether it's pickled or the soaked items versus the cooked items, you squeeze out the liquid to eat the ochel, that's fine. Lime mehen, if you're squeezing out, get the liquid out, Kayav Khatat. Then you are chayav the gamre. Alright, meitave. Sochatin, kvashim bi shabbat, utsarach shabbat. One can squeeze out kvashim on shabbat, for shabbat, avadodomot ze shabbat, but not for after shabbat. Vizaytim vanim loyschot, vizaytim non vim, you squeeze, vim sachat, chayav chattat. Then you are chayav chattat. Now, the statement here says, sochatin kvashim bi shabbat, you're allowed to squeeze out the kvashim on shabbat without any problem, without any qualification. Then it's the says "It's al There's not a single one of these Amoraim that says that if you squeezed out Kvashim for their liquids, that it's "Mutar al- Yet you have a bright here that's saying "Mutar- Khtrila," without any qualification of whether it's for the liquid or for the item itself. So it's a question on all of them. of them. They're all gonna have to reread the Brahita to fit into their opinion. they each answer or reread the Brahta to fit to their position, which is Rav Rav says that it is the way that he says, because one can squeeze out these soaked vegetables, these pickled vegetables, on Shabbat, avalolamote, Shabbat, but not for after Shabbat, but when's that true? The gufan, when you're squeezing out the liquid because you want the vegetable. Avalame mehem, if you're squeezing out for the liquid, it's pator valasur. So that little line was missing in the breita, he's filling it in. And shlakot, when it comes to shlakot, ben the gufan, ben the mehem mutar. Then whether you want the liquid or you want it for the food itself, it's mutar. And they dimnavim you should not squeeze, Vim Sakatan, Khayav Khatat. If you do squeeze them out, that is the classic case of Mifarik on Shabbat, and you be Chayav Khatat. So what Ram did was he inserted a couple of lines between the original statement of the bright and the part where it says mutar, he adds in a bunch of lines to fit into his position. I mean, to qualify the statement of the bright though. Shmoom it writes kvashim to me, so shabbat. One can squeeze out Kavashim on Shabbat for Shabbat. And this is the same is true. There's no differentiation between these items that were soaked or pickled versus those that were cooked. But may it qualified by this statement the Gufan. As long as you're doing it for the vegetable itself not for the liquid. If you do it for... The liquids and Pator Aval Asur, like Schmol's opinion, is a Tim Vanavim, Lo ischot, and if you squeeze the olives or the grapes, then you are in violation of the din of Shitan, Yo Khayav Khatat. Yokanamitar, so Khatim Kwashim Lutarakh Shabat, Abolamoshat. Echad Kwashim Vekat Shla Kot again, no differentiation between that which is soaked pickled and cooked. But may do remarmui when's that should go If you're doing it for the vegetable itself, Avalam may mehem, if you're trying to get to the liquid, lo ischot. It should not be so chait. Vim sakat and if you do squeeze it it's equivalent to squeezing out olives and grapes and you would be so each one of them dealt with the in order to fit their position alright the Torah, the only fruits that when you press them have a dindo right of schita are olives and grapes, which is basically a key to the sugi in the end. That's really true. That olives and grapes have this unique status of pressing, because they are made for their liquids, and therefore when you press them, that's problem. That's your only chayav khatat when you press these fruits, because these fruits, that's what's considered schita, those contain the liquids in them that people want, and they're the only ones where there's a din of schita involved. And he makes a separate statement, which has nothing to do with our Gemara at all, but it's obviously from the same Mesora, which is vain, aid me, pi, kasher, that one cannot have, what the equivalent what we call hearsay, that if you have one aide that testifies what he heard from another aide, one witness testifies what he heard from another witness, he did not witness the event or what we are looking for. He simply heard another eyewitness tell him this information, equivalent of hearsay, is kasher only they do tisha b'uvad. It's only kasher when it comes to testimony regarding a woman. The testimony here we're talking about is the issue of an aguna, a woman whose husband, we are uncertain as to what happened to her husband, and we want to allow her to remarry, or to know that her husband is no longer alive. In that situation, the chachamim were kill in these situations to allow testimony that otherwise would not be allowed in the court system, in order to take care of these agunot and these difficult situations. So, therefore, we allow this evidence, which would not, again, be allowed in a normal case, in order to free this woman from being an aguna, just so we know that her husband really passed away. It's a whole sugya for her yivamot here. In summary, that's what we're speaking about here. That's a broader question, which is not so simple to deal with, right? It's also in brachot. An orange juice today, we make a brach of shahakol because the Gemara says in brachot that it's zeabalma. Like exactly what you're describing, is that they viewed those fruit juices as being nothing. Versus the grapes and olives where it is. Today, that's different. Today, we squeeze oranges specifically for their juice. and Yet, the bracha remain chahakal, which is not so controversial, but it really should be more controversial, which is that maybe the bracha should be boripreates because we are keeping the liquid. Maybe it should make a bori boripreates. And maybe, as you're suggesting here, they should also be under that din of schita, which we, the two should come hand in hand. If you view the juice as being something significant, it should become bari and it should also be a problem of schita. we have, it really hasn't moved in that direction, which is that we still view in that way, we only make brachot in that way. It hasn't changed, although maybe it really should move in that direction. the way, Can you use this type of subpar testimony when it comes to the Eidutabu bechor which is given to the Kohen by the Israel, the Israel hands it over to the Kohen, the bechor belongs to the Kohen. Kohen may not eat the bechor unless If it's a bechor, time he brings it up as a korban in the mikdash, or if it gets a moom in it, it gets a blemish in it, and allows him to eat it as chulin in his backyard. I mean that he can have it at home. So today, obviously, where there is no mikdash, the only way to free up the bechor is to ever get a moom, and then he can eat it. So the kohanim were chashudim on this. Kohanim obviously they had a incentive to have a moom or blemish show up in this bechor because then they could eat it. If they didn't, they had to support the animal all this time. They had to feed it, take care of it until it got a moom. It was an inconvenience. It was a burden to them. So the Kohanim were suspected of putting mumim in it. And therefore, a Chacham would not be mati or an animal with a mum in it if it was brought by a Kuhlain, unless he had evidence or outside witnesses that said that the mum came by itself and was not placed there by the Kohanim. So the here wants to know, do we use also this subpart type of testimony? Do we allow it in this situation? Tzumao, Ravami Asir. Ravami says it doesn't work. Ravasi, Shari. Ravasi says it is mutar and we can have this type of testimony. So Amalai Rabid Ravasi, Vahatana de Babin Asha, Ain Aid Mi Paid Kashir Evalu Aidutisha Bilvad. Here we have we have a bright thought that suggests that the only time aid me pa'aid works is in this one unique situation, which is aidutishah. So how can you expand it to Bukhur? Hema Laidu Shah Isha K Shah Bilvad. Don't read it, it's only good for Eduti Shah, meaning in the case of Aguna. Rather, it works in a case where we accept subpar testimony. For instance, when we accept women as witnesses. Women who are otherwise disqualified as witnesses. In certain instances, the Chachamim allowed them to be witnesses. Which is, first of all, in a case of uh, Bechor. They allow them to be witnesses. In a case of Aguna, a woman can testify as to the fact that the husband passed away. So in those situations where Nishan is allowed to be a witness, so too, Eid 8 is allowed. they' we already dropping the standard of Edut, then, it expands not only to Isha, but allows for mi peid to happen, and that's the way that Ravasi read it. Rav Yemar, Aksher Eidmi Payed le Bukhwar. Rav Yemar himself used to be Matir that were done through hearsay, through mi peid, a witness to a witness. Kari Maremar, Maremar said about Rav Yemar, that he was Yemar Shari Bukhra. He was Yemar, they make you by Bukhurot. That was his name. He was known as the man who allowed the bechorah to go through. The hilchata and the halacha is aid miped kasher the it is true. That by bechorah you can also use this aid miped chalot devash. This goes back to our mishnah. We haven't seen it for a while. But the mishnah at the end of the mishnah we had the chalot devash. So over there in the mishnah we actually had a machloket as to whether it was permissible to squeeze out the honey from the chalot devash. Chalot rishkan miar shabbat. If you crush them before shabbat, viatsum miatsman, and then the honey drips out or comes out on the own on shabbat. Tanakam le'chokhamim say asurin. Rabbi Eleazar is matir. Says it's mutar. This is what I'm going to discuss here. bi'ode. Hey, uh, Shabbat. Olives and grapes that were crushed before Shabbat. two matzman, And then the liquids float out by themselves on Shabbat. Asurim. That liquid is asur. Rabbi Eleazar. Rabbi Shimon matirim. They say it's mutar. I'm Rabbi Yosef, what's the big deal? We have our Mishnah, Mishnah tells us, you squeeze before Shabbat, the liquid comes out on Shabbat, we have a Machloket, what did you do here? You didn't add anything to us, the Brite only added, Rabbi Shimon, our Mishnah only says, Rabbi and now you added Rabbi Shimon, so that's what the Brite, that's the value of this Brite, is that it adds in Rabbi Shimon, that's it? Wait a minute, this Brite adds a lot, we only had the Mishnah, we only had the Mishnah, we only the Mishnah, by honey, the reason that it may be permissible, for is 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 because it's originally an ochel, it was a food, and after it drips out, it's also a food substance. It's not a liquid, but rather a food substance. Voholcha, mi ochel, over here, by the zetim and navim, by the olives and the grapes, they're originally a food item. So if you crush them for Shabbat, and then now the liquid is emanating from them, aim alone. Maybe Rebbe Lezer would disagree in that case. Kamash Malan, that Rabbi Lezer is not only by honeycombs, but even by grapes and olives. Rabbi says this, day opens up a huge Kiddush here that Rabbi Lezer's din applies not only to honey, but also applies to Zaytim and Vanavim. Alright, next Mishnah. The next Mishnah is a fundamental Mishnah in Hilchot Shabbat, something that we bump into all the time. The question is, if it really says what we're about to read in it, which is, Kol er Shabbat Bechamim Shabbat. Anything that was cooked prior to Shabbat, one can then put it back into hot water on Shabbat. This is what is otherwise known as, this is a principle that comes up on Shabbat, that you can't cook things twice. You can't have Bishol, Achar Bishol on Shabbat. That line, that is the halacha. it's a that happens to be a machloket, a rishonim, whether it only applies to Dever Yavesh or whether it applies even to a Today Lach. Today, we say it only applies to Dever Yavesh, not to Dever Lach. But as far as the Rishonim are concerned, that is not so clear whether this only applies to a Dever Yavesh. The second thing is that that term never appears in the Gemara and Shabbat. Ein Bishol Achar Bishol never appears in the Gemara and Shabbat or the Mishnayot Shabbat. It's a term that we know within Hilchot Shabbat never appears. And where is the source for ain Bishol Achar Bishol? So most Rishonim point to this Mishnah as being the source for Ein Bishol Achabishol on Shabbat. Problem is that some of Rishonim do not read it that way. They read this Mishnah in a different manner, which prevents it being a source for Ein Bishol Achabishol on Shabbat. And then it becomes more problematic, where do you find the source for this fact that there's on something that did not come into hot water before Shabbat, you can rinse it with hot water on Shabbat, the exception, that rule is that is salted fish, salted fish that's been salted for a period of time, over a year, and therefore in order to make it edible, it's not edible in its current state, it's too salty. So you rinse it to get the salt off to make it edible at this point in time. That rinsing, as Mishnah is going to say, is Havi Bishulo. That becomes the Bishul. That's the cooking of this food because it makes it edible. It takes it from the inedible to the edible state. The the Spanish Kulios, Shadachatan, Zuhi Gemar The rinsing of this item is what makes it or brings it into the edible state. And that is considered to be the Bishul for these items. So Gemara says "Kugomai." Here is an example of Ein Bishul Achar Bishul. So i Safa, The chickens that Rabbi Ava used to cook. One time I went over there to Rabbi Ava and I had some of his chicken. I had some of that chicken. And he used to cook his chicken, as Rashi says over here, for a long period of time. He cooked it for so long that it used to start to fall apart. It became so soft and well cooked that it was just mushy. It was like a mushy chicken at that point. So I visited him and I ate some of that chicken. Had he not then given to me to drink wine that was three years old. At the age for three years. it I would have been finished. It was so disgusting. I would have been so disgusted by what I had eaten. I would have had to uh, disgorge it. And it would have been an awful situation. Thank God he gave me this wine to keep things in order. So Rabbi Yochanan, right, me to Teach the Bavlai. Rabbi Yochanan, as we know, that lived in Eretz Israel. And whenever he heard about Kuteach HaBavlai, or Kuteach Bavli, which was this dish that was popular in Bavel, it was a dip. That was made out of stale bread, rotten milk, and some other good things that were put in it, and salty. It's a problem for chametz on Pesach, but it was a dip that had a long shelf life and it was very pungent. And they used it as a dip in Bavel. Rabbi Yochanan obviously had the chance or the opportunity to taste some of it, and it didn't sit well with him. So Rabbi Yochanan, every time he remembered this dish from Bavel, right, he used to expectorate, he used to spit out, made him uncomfortable. So I'm Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef was upset. Rabbi Yosef is from Bavel. Why is this Rabbi is making out of the Babylonian dishes? The Lirok Anan, mitana galota, the Rabbi What is he talking about? You know, our Kutea What about that chicken that Rabbi Ava used to make? You know, that gives us the same feeling. We have the same experience by that. V'ot, Amar of Gaza, Zimachada, Hatam. says, One time I went over to Eretz Yisrael. I made this Kutea I It's homesick and I wanted to make some of my Kuteach Bavli. Shilomine de Marava. And by that point, all the sick, all the ill in Eretz Yisrael say, wait, give us some of that stuff, it's really good, it's helpful. So here, Rav Yosef is trying to bring Kutei HaBavli back to its former glory. <laughs> right. What happens if you actually rinse these items off? If the Risha says you're not allowed to rinse them, if you do rinse them, what does that mean? Is that an Isidur Rabbanan or is that an Isidur Raita? So Rav Yosef, if you do rinse them off, you're in violation of an isur d'oraita. Amar <speaking> anan <in> So <Hebrew> our Mishnah. Shmamina, you see from that that the Mishnah believes that if you do do it, then you're in violation of bishul, you're in violation of gemar or bishul of doing something that is an isur d'oraita on Shabbat. Why do we call it bishul? Because bishul is not like we think of cooking. Bishul is moving something from the state that it's inedible to an edible state. So so over here, you're moving from an inedible state to an edible state. That's called bishul. So bishul is not defined by simply hot water and cooking, like we think of it. It's something that makes something from the raw state to the cooked state. So over here, it's moving it from the salted state, where it's inedible, to the edible state, which is that you remove the salt from it. Rabbi and, and Rabbi Asi were sitting in front of Rabbi Ochenan, and Rabbi Ochenan, the teacher, began to doze off. Of why are the fowl in Babel so fat? says, like, why don't you go down to the Midbar in Azza and I'll show you even fatter ones here in Eretz Israel Why are the holidays in Babel so happy? Because they're so poor over there. Since they're so poor, they never get a rest from their work. They never get to eat well. Only on the Yam Tovim do they have that experience. And that's why they enjoy them so much. Why do the Tamerich Chachamim and Bavel dress so nicely? (laughs) Because they're not such good learners. They're not such great Tamerich Chachamim. So instead of getting the honor from their Torah, they get the honor from their clothing. Because they need to gender a certain amount of respect. So they do it through their clothing rather than through their knowledge. Why are they ovde kachamim? Why do they have this zuhama about them? Whatever this zuhama means, some say it means lustful, others say it means that they reek, others say that it's impure. We'll go with the word zuhama, assuming that it incorporates one or many of those items. Because they eat these non-kosher, creepy crawly things, things that are disgusting, and therefore they have this type of zuama that is generated by them eating these items. <speaking in Hebrew> Rabbi Yochanan, after dozing off, popped up his head, woke up, Amalud, <speaking in Hebrew> my youngsters, haven't I told you before? <speaking in Hebrew> say to wisdom that you are my sister. <speaking in Hebrew> if the item is clear as day to you, like the fact that your sister is a sur to you, Omreya, say it. Better to be silent when you don't know than rather to make up things or try to give answers. Tell us which one do we get wrong here? What do we say wrong? Now we're gonna go through all of them. why are the birds are foul in bavel, so fat. Because they never went into galut. Because it says the pasuk in Shmarav. The navi is going through all the different nations. It says with regards to Moab, Moab bin Urav, You're at ease from your youth. to Elshmarab and you're settled by its lease, meaning that they never moved. Moab being out to the east of Eretz Israel, similar to the placement of Bavel. And since they didn't have to go, nothing went into Galut over there, they got fat, because they didn't have to travel very much, they didn't have to move. They never went, went into the Galut. over here. that implying that the birds or the fowl in Eretz did go into Galut, and that's why they weren't so fat. How do you know that the birds or the fowl in Eretz did go into Galut? we have a brighter. There were 52 years in which Yuda was desolate, there was not a single person that passed through Yehuda, Shneemar. Basuf says in Yermiyo, I think this is the Torah for uh, Tisha B'Av, the, the Torah that we read on Tisha B'Av, which is, El-arim On the mountains I should be weeping and wailing. The, he says v'chule here, the part that they skip is, that uh, I should have a kinah. The word kinah, for what we have for keynote of Tisha B'Av, comes from this, that Yermiyo says that I will have a kinah. Alohu. From the birds of the sky to the animals, Nadadu. They have traveled away. They've gone away. They're not there anymore. So you see that the animals left. Eretz Yisrael. That they went into Galut. In Gematria is 52. And that's how Rabbi Yudu gets the limo. That for 52 years the place was completely decimal. Now that obviously is an asmachta. But the Gemara is also after the Pashtuta Pasuk. Which is that there were no animals. They were put into Galut. The place was desolate. And that's why they are skinnier here than they are over in Bovell. All the animals returned to Yisrael, to their original location except for this Spanish culiot. These waterways of Bavel, they return water to Eretzisral. Eretzisral was a spring that actually was the source of water for the Beit HaMikdash, but is a major spring up in Yisrael. And the claim was that the source of the water for Eretzisral came from Bavel. So, if the water came from Bavel, anything that you could find in Bavel, then th- that water would return or bring those fish, whatever those animals were, back to Eretz Yisrael. The only thing that didn't come back is this Pugliese spine because I came into Lo-Sharir, Shidre, lo solik Because over here, since it doesn't have a solid spine or backbone, it can't make its way back. So, therefore, it never made its way back to Eretz Yisrael, because it didn't have the strength to make it up to Eretz Yisrael. Why are the holidays in Bavel so happy? Because they didn't have the curse that was given by the Nevi'im to those that lived in Eretz Yisrael. That I will wipe out. I will eliminate all of its happiness, its holidays, its Rashi Chodashim, its Shabbatot. And the... Pasuk from Isaiah, which is we read this on Shabbat Chazon, which is Your your holidays, I hated. How you the Torah? They were a burden to me. And then Hashem said, I don't want it anymore. I don't want your celebrations. I don't want you coming to the Mikdash because of what you're doing wrong. So maya you allied to the Torah? What does it mean that they were a burden to me? now that they sin, the finite. That caused me now to think about what bad degree I'm gonna to have to bring upon them. So that's the Torah that we're talking about here. <laughs> There's no regal where this curse did not come true. I mean, they're saying in Bavel, why are they so happy on the holidays? Implying in Eretz they're not so happy on the holidays. So they say that that curse that we just spoke about in the Navi came true. <laughs> That there wasn't a time when the army or the king's troops didn't come to Tsippori on one of the holidays. There was never a time then in Tveria that these people did not come to visit Tveria and to cause problems or to put on they wrote, And as Rashi says, the komtin is Shulton. So these are people that are leadership positions within the government. Why did the Tamik come in Bavel dress so well? <speaking in Hebrew> because they're not at home. <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in my own city, my name is my honor. And that people know me. So they know what my standing is. They know my stature. I don't have to dress up in order to engender that type of respect. <speaking in Hebrew> when I'm out of my own home, when I'm out of the city, <speaking in Hebrew> then it's my clothing. And how I present myself is what gives me a kavod. So since the Babylonian and Tamid were out of place, they have to dress up in order to engender that kavod. Abayim yatzitz uParach Yisrael. Taner Yosef Elu Shosim uParachim laTorah. They make buds and flowers to the Torah, and therefore they have this uh, terminology of this yatzitz uParach Yisrael. They do positive things that they are Tamid Chachamim. All right, so now. So okay, we're going over all these items that they spoke about in front of Rabbi Yochanan. Why is it that the Obdei have this Zuhamah? Because they didn't stand at Har Sinai. This next piece of the Gemara is very difficult. It has ringings of Christian theology. It's a very difficult piece here. It was Sheba'a Sheba'a Nachash Al Chava. The time that the Nachash slept with Chava, He till ba Zuhamah. He placed in her this zuhama. Israel Sham du al har Sinai paskad zuhama In Israel, after they stood at har Sinai, that Zuhamah, that negative aspect, was removed from them. har Sinai they didn't have that ability to have it removed because they never stood at Har Sinai. So for Menei Shul, who stood at Har Sinai, it was rectified. For the Aluf uh, the chavim that did not stay in, in Har Sinai, this Zuma was never removed. That Zuma that was originally placed in there by the Nachash. <laughs> My, what are going to do about converts. How they didn't stand at Har Sinai? So what was the story with their Zuma? Even though they were not there, their Mazal was there. The midrash that many people quote that all the Nishamot. That we're gonna be born in the future we're all standing there at Har Sinai to accept the Torah, just Diktiv, Etasha po Imano Omed Hayom, those that are with us today, Lifelkano. And those that are not with us today. What do you mean those that are not with us today? Those that are not with us today are those that in the future either will convert or be born. the Rabbi This argues in Rabbi Avah about the Zuamah, when the Zuamah went away. Rabbi The Zuamah did not leave our forefathers until the third generation. Abraham did not have a Mitashlemah because he gave birth to Ishmael, who led to Ishmael. Tzchak did not have a mita shleima. Olid te sav. Yaakov, Olid Yud who were all included as part of Klal Yisrael, Shulaveh and Shum Dofi, that they had no problems at all, and therefore the Zuma went away. That was when the Zuma left. Klal Yisrael this is the time of Yaakov when his mita was shleima. Okay, we'll stop over here.